What up, guys? This is JP from The Chase Down, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What up, guys? And today, we're just going to go over, go over some of the playoff results that we've been able to see so far and just how some series are progressing. And to top off the show, we have some breaking news about our hometown team. So I think we'll just jump right into that. Um, the Celtics had just announced today that Danny Ainge is retiring and Brad Stevens is taking his spot in the front office. Brad Stevens will no longer be coaching the Celtics. Um, and now we have a coaching search. So, Ben, what were your just initial thoughts when you heard the news? Um, I think I'm happy that Danny Ainge is no longer the GM. Um, yeah. I think he's done a pretty good job. I mean, like, he's failed on a couple of drafts. You can get mad at the fact that we don't have Matisse Thibel, Sadiq Bey, all them, but he's been pretty solid. But I do think the Celtics need some sort of change here. Um, I'm a little worried about Brad Stevens not being the head coach anymore because I think just no matter who we replace him with, he's not going to – the new head coach isn't going to be as good as Brad Stevens. Yeah. And the fact that the rumors <clears throat> are Jason Kidd and uh, – who is the other rumor? Lloyd Pierce. Yeah. If we get Lloyd Pierce, I'm going to be depressed as a Celtics fan. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, Brad, I think, is like a top five coach in the league still. Like, I don't think that's really even a question. But I'm very excited that we get to keep him in our organization. Um, I just think his knowledge of basketball is fantastic. And he's going to be able to create a team in his image through the new position he has as president of basketball operations. He's going to be able to draft players. He's going to be able to sign players and just create a team in his image, which is good because he was the coach before, right? So he knows our personnel really, really well. He knows how Tatum works. He knows how Jalen Brown works. He knows how Marcus Smart works. He knows how our team functions. And because he was in the locker room with those guys, he's going to feel more connected to them than maybe Danny would just being up in the office. So um, I think he has a special insight that will help this roster get fleshed out a little bit more than Danny probably could. Yeah, no, I, th I think I agree with you. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of moves he makes and like what sort of GM that he is because um, he's got a reputation as a coach for just being very, very nice, like a little bit too nice. Like he doesn't yeah. have the ability to really push people's buttons. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of GM that he is. But I do think we should talk about just the fact that the Celtics lost 4-1 to the Nets. Yeah. The fact that we took a game I think is impressive enough. Um, I was expecting a sweep. The fact that, I mean, Jason Tatum dropped 50 and we got a win. That was pretty, pretty awesome. Tristan Thompson had a hell of a game too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I didn't, I was surprised that we even took one, but I think we do need to start changing some things up in the off season. We've, we've had so many conversations about this, but yeah. Kemba or Marcus Smart has to go. In my both. eyes, it's Kemba. I don't want both of them to go. Um, I understand if people do Marcus Smart's kind of a head case sometimes, but I just think he brings too much. Um, besides the Jays, Marcus Smart and Rob Williams, I think everybody else should be moved, could be moved, not should be. I agree with you. I think there's very few players on this team that I would be upset seeing leave. Um, like I, I texted you over the weekend, like if we had to package Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith and like two first round picks to get a guy who we know is going to score 20 points per game, I wouldn't bat an eye. Like, I would not care at all. I think they're good role players for the future, and I like that they're young. But I want established players on this team. I don't want to have to wait four years for Peyton Pritchard to average 11 points per game. That's just not something I'm interested in waiting for. 
Um, but yeah, you talked about how we won a game against the Nets. That shocked me. Tatum's basically proven that he's going to be one of the best scorers in the league for the next like decade, which I think is unbelievable to have on our squad. Um, I just think he's a really nice piece to build around just for the future. But yeah, I mean, I, this series, I was hyped up that night when we won, like I loved it, but overall, like I didn't put a ton of time into watching this series just because I knew we were going to get squashed. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really deserve to be in it at any point. The fact that we won game three was pretty miraculous. Yeah. Um, Jason Tatum at the TD garden is amazing. He really can be slow sometimes in other people's stadiums, but when he comes back home, he is just fantastic. His offense when he's hot is so fun to watch. Um, he kind of reminds me not, they have kind of different play styles, but him and Paul George are two dudes where when they're hot, their offense is just so smooth. Yeah, just so pleasing to watch. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, no surprise. The big three for the Nets absolutely destroyed the Celtics. Uh, James Harden's averages were ridiculous. He put up 31, 10 and 10 in his last game. Um, it's going to be a hell of a series. We'll talk about Nets bucks in a little bit, but that's going to be a hell of a series. Uh, I'm just, it's, it's exciting to see the best, one of the best offenses in NBA history go up against a team that actually has something to fight for. Yeah, totally agree. The, this year was just wasn't the Celtics year, so the next series will be more fun to watch. But Oh, wait, before we get off the Celtics, uh, yeah. Evan Fournier, we re-sign him or get rid of him? Horrible get rid of him. Horrible, interesting. If you look a at his worried. playoff stats throughout his career, <clears throat> just that's not someone you want on your team making a run. The playoff stats on the eight-seed magic, I think that's a little unfair. I don't know if it is, man. If you look at the numbers, I think you might agree. I mean, with they're just a tr- like. It, there's no excuse to be as bad as they are. I guess that's fair. Yeah. Um. I my thing is we need established talent and we need quality role players. Yeah. I don't want to replace Evan Fournier with two guys that we're gonna pay like two or three million dollars a year. So that's my concern. But I mean, I'd be okay if we re-signed him. Eh, it depends on the price, I guess, for me. Like, yeah. if he, if we can get him on a decent price and keep him on the bench, that's fine. But, I, like, I don't want to have to pay that man, like, 12 to $10 million a year. I don't think that's worth it. No, that's definitely fair. I like $10 million somewhere around there. Maybe I'd be okay with 12 but, like, that range is kind of what I'd aim for. All right. Um, yeah, so moving on to one of the craziest games I think I've ever seen in my entire life, uh, Damian Lillard just absolutely went nuclear against the Nuggets last night in a loss. Um, the Nuggets were able to just ward off Damian Lillard to the point where they could sneak out a win. But I'm just going to pick this up right here. If C.J. McCollum and Norman Powell aren't garbage in this game, the Trailblazers win by 30. Yep. I could not believe how bad the surrounding cast around Damian Lillard was last night. In the overtimes – his surrounding cast was one for 14 from the floor. That's awful. They missed every single shot except for one. They scored two points as a team with other than Damian Lillard. Yeah. That is inexcusable. I couldn't even believe they let that performance go to waste. I just felt so bad for him. Yeah. It is truly a shame that that might be, I mean, that's up there for one of the greatest playoff games of all time. 55 points on 24 shots. 12 of 17 from the three-point line. Um, that just 
Dame, we texted each other back and forth about this, but Dame's ability to hit clutch shots is unreal. He is the best clutch performer in the NBA. If you can get it close, he will take you to the finish line, or at least this time he brought him to OT and then double OT. Mm-hmm. Just their ability to claw back into games is really, really impressive. But yeah, it sucks that Dame's running mate is CJ McCollum. Oh my God, what a waste, dude. I He's got to go next season. Um, I don't think <clears> – we <throat> usually – you can blame Terry Stotts. People do sometimes too, but the Blazers' defense wasn't terrible. Um, their strategy to just leave Jokic on an island has been working pretty well. But, yeah, CJ as the number two was just tough. And Yusuf Nurkic just gets stupid fouls sometimes. He's got to understand that he needs to be out there. Like sometimes it's better to just give up a bucket than get a stupid foul and get out of lose like foul out of the game. Yeah, yeah. I when Carmel once once Nurkic fouled out, the game was over yeah. because Jokic was getting one on one matchups with Carmelo Anthony, and then they started double teaming him because that was going so poorly. And then once you start double teaming Jokic, it, wrap it up. It, like pack your bags, you're going. So. I, it was just what a like Dame staying in Portland. It's not he's staying there forever, but I just I wish they could maybe get a different star in that building or add a star. Like if there's some possible way that they can sign someone out of free agency instead of like trading CJ McCollum, that'd be great. I think CJ's a good third option. I think he's a bad sec, well, not a bad, but just like you don't expect them to ever make a championship run as long. They're not as a he, contender if he's a second yeah, option. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, just an unreal performance. I've never seen shooting like that in my life. Like there's a couple Curry games that I've watched that I was just like, holy shit. But I think because Lillard was hitting those shots in the moments he was hitting them, like to send it to OT and then send it to double OT. I just like, my brain couldn't even compute what was happening. Yeah. It made, it made me so sad to see him putting on that performance and then Robert Covington missing an open dunk and CJ McCollum stepping out of bounds. Yeah. All of it, the whole performance was for nothing. But, I mean, this series is so entertaining. Yeah. It always has been. These teams play each other pretty close all the time. Two years ago, they had a game that went into 4 OT. Um, it, they're just, it's a fun, fun series to watch. And, again, Jokic was amazing. I mean, he took 31 shots. Yeah. 38 points on 31 shots isn't incredible. But when, in the fourth quarter and in overtime and double overtime, he got them the win. And Michael Porter Jr. as well. I think he was 10 of 13 on the night. Um, This is what they need. He was kind of iced out of the last game. The Blazers just kind of put a man on him and locked him up and didn't let him get any passes. And every single time there was a crack in the defense and MPJ could get an open look, Jokic found him and he hit it. It was just watching Michael Porter Jr. shoot is so much fun. It just makes me sad because if Jamal Murray was on this team right now, this is a five-game series, and the Nuggets are true contenders. Yeah, they, they come out of the West. We're going to talk about the Suns-Lakers in a second. But, I mean, if Jamal Murray's there, this team's coming out of the West, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, I, so we're going to get into the Suns-Lakers now. And me and you had a very different idea of what was going to happen in this series. I had Lakers in five. You had Suns in six, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling extremely confident about my pick after Anthony Davis had those back-to-back 30 30 and 10 games with incredible defense. I thought it was a wrap. Um, But surprise, surprise, Anthony Davis gets nicked up again and misses games. And now it's looking like the Suns actually have a legitimate upper hand in this series. And 
Honestly, I think your pick might happen. I, I'm going to say Lakers in seven just because I trust LeBron, but it's even it feels weird for me to even say that, just how the games have been playing out. Yeah, it's weird to say that it's hard to trust LeBron, but he's given up a handful of these possessions. Dude. Um, I, I understand he's trying to save his energy, and if it's like he's got to run back and either make some clutch hero block or they get a bucket, he's not going to do it. But he had 24-5-7 yesterday. He needed 40. Like, for them to have a chance, he needed 40. And he was just not – he wasn't playing at 100%. Um, I understand that this Lakers team is nowhere near as good without AD on the floor. Mm. Um, but a 30-point deficit at halftime, a 10-point second quarter, that is, like, unbelievable from yeah. a LeBron James-led team. Um, and as lazy as he seemed at times, it's his supporting cast. Dennis Schroeder, 0 of 9. Yeah. KCP only took one shot and he missed it. Mm-hmm. They needed production. Kyle Kuzma was a brick fest. Um, they need three-point shooting from people not named LeBron James, and they just can't get it. Um, and as much as I want the Lakers to fail, no, I more want the Suns to succeed than the Lakers to fail. Yeah. Um, but I wanted this to be a good showing. I wanted both teams to be healthy, and I wanted the Suns to just win due to talent. Um, it doesn't mean as much when you win because their best, one of their best players is hurt. But I don't think AD's coming back for this next game. He's definitely not coming back for game six. Like, absolutely not. He will play game seven. What shape he, he'll be in while he plays is probably not great. But yeah. um, you said, like, we were texting over the weekend. The way LeBron gives up is so disheartening. Like, it's tough to even say I blame him just because if I had teammates that went 0 for 9 or only made one shot, like, I would be angry too. But mm-hmm. – the lack of energy that was displayed in that 30-point loss to the Suns was honestly embarrassing. Like, I didn't expect to see that. Um, I, I don't really even know what to say about that series. I just think, like, if, Lebr- if LeBron plays like that, what he played like yesterday, they're going to lose. Because even if you look at the box score for LeBron, it looks fantastic. He stat-padded at the end. Yeah, it's just not reality. It's not how the game actually went. That's why you got to kind of dig deeper into these games because that's that's just a fallacy what um, was shown on the box score. So I think LeBron's going to go absolutely nuclear in game six, somehow pull out a win, and then LeBron in game sevens, you just don't choose against him. So. Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. If the Lakers win game six, game seven is probably in the Lakers' favor, yeah. um, even with a hobbled AD. Um, I haven't seen anything yet this year or this series anyway, that makes me think LeBron's going to turn it up, turn that dial all the way up. Um, I think, point. We think he has to, you would have thought he would do it this game. Yeah. Um, I guess it, you're right. It's got to be a bit depressing getting wide open looks for your teammates and then they just brick them over and over and over again. And watching campaign just destroy your backcourt. Like, shout out to campaign, man. Yeah, he's shout out to campaign. He's literally playing like Mike Conley or like another lefty. I can't think of another lefty point guard, but he's playing like a slightly below All Star tier right now. Mm-hmm. And it's like this he was in was China really- what two years ago. Yeah, he was picked up off the scrap heap. So yeah. I mean, just, it's just unbelievable what he's been able to do. 
for the Suns team, especially against the Lakers, which have been the number one defense from the start of the season to the finish. So um, he's just making Dennis Schroeder and KCP and all the people that try to guard him. He gets to the cup at will pretty much like he's just quick. He's a shifty water bug type of player and it's working. It's just what a weird series. I'm going to take Lakers in seven, but I'm not super confident in that pick. Like your son's in six. I'm very confident. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Besides that one stinker of a game that Devin Booker put up, he's been doing phenomenally. Um, Campaign, just as a bench guy, he's been amazing. He's been absolutely as much as you could ask for. Yeah. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are the ones running the show for me. Um, DeAndre Ayton's still shooting 80% over the the series so far. Unreal. Um, And he got to the free throw line a handful of times yesterday. Didn't knock them all down, but just the fact that he was going there is nice. Um, yeah, Suns and six. I'm feeling good about that. Chris Paul seems to be back too. He hit a three, which he did not even have the strength to do earlier yeah. in the series. Yeah. Um, when he went down towards the second half there, I'm not sure they always act. Chris Paul and LeBron are big actors. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Paul was trying to get a flagrant foul on Wesley Matthews and he got it, yeah. but I don't know how much pain he was really in. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll see. If he's not healthy going into game six, then it's uh, – I think it's in the Lakers' favor. Well, I was they just They really to talk- need a good performance from the bench. Yeah, yeah. I, I think talking about Chris Paul quickly, I think he played a sub-30 minutes in that game because obviously they were up by 30. And I think that really lends itself to the Suns. I mean, you're able to play Chris Paul, get him reps, so he starts to feel like he's more – like well-oiled, but also give him rest so he's not like exhausting his resources. And then this is just why the Suns are going to, why any team that has Chris Ball is going to be successful. If you go down to the turnover battle, during the game while I was watching, I was like, damn, the Lakers are being sloppy with the ball. I didn't realize the turnover battle was the Suns only had four turnovers. The Lakers had 16 you're just going to lose. Chris Paul effect, yeah. Yeah, you're just going to lose if Chris Paul takes care of the ball that much and then the other team doesn't give a shit what happens with the ball. That's why any team Chris Paul plays for will be a playoff team. And with another co-star next to him like Devin Booker, like this team does – it has the makings for a little like Western Conference finals push or maybe even a finals push. But I, I just – I can't choose against LeBron. I have to see it before I do it. So – um I'm ready for LeBron to lose. The one thing I will say that's concerning for me is going and looking at the Suns three-point percentage. Yeah. Um, Campaign shooting about 44%, which, again, more props to him. He's amazing. Devin Booker, 28%. Jay Crowder, 21% on seven attempts a game. Yeah. Chris Paul is only taking like 10 threes, and he's only hit a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Um. So that's a bit concerning. Their bench is stepping up. Mikhail Bridges, 43% on almost six attempts a game Yeah, this series. The bench is just th- – this is a deep team. People don't talk about it because they're not a, <clears throat> a gigantic market, which yeah. is interesting because I thought that they would be. But they're just like – they're overlooked for some reason in national media. But this is a deep team. And the guys that don't – that can't score very well, don't really focus on scoring, and they just lock down their guys on defense like Torrey Craig. Um, I, it's just they're such a fun team to watch. Like 9-10 deep, they're all competitors. 
Yeah, the reason they're overlooked, by the way, is because they've been atrocious for about a decade. Yeah. Um, th- that's why they're overlooked. When Steve Nash was do- out there, they were a hot spot for everyone. Fair, um, fair enough. But just the mediocrity. But yeah, this is, this is a fantastic series. I've really enjoyed it. I kind of hate how much injuries have played into it, though. I feel mm-hmm. like, like if AD is healthy, they win in five. I, I have no question. I just feel like he was giving them so many issues defensively and offensively. Um, but I mean, the best team's going to win. Right. And a part of being a great player is being available and the best abilities availability. Exactly. And Anthony Davis day to day Davis, like you said, it's just like throughout his entire career, it's I'm going to miss four games here. I'm going to miss seven games here. And that's just, I mean, that's, that's the horse that LeBron tied his wagon to. So he's got to deal with it. Um, yeah. He's got his one ring. I don't know if he gets knocked out in the first round here. First of all, people aren't going to remember. So they're not going to remember him giving up when these games aren't close. Yeah. Um, but second of all, I don't think he'll be that crushed. Yeah. Um, let's move on to my favorite series by far to watch, uh, Clippers-Mavs. Um, as all of you know who listen to the podcast, Kawhi has been my favorite player. He's the player that made me fall in love with basketball. And he has looked like the best player in the NBA in this series. Um, even in the two games they lost, he scored 41 in one of them and then scored 29 in the other. Um, he is averaging 60, 40, 90 shooting right now, Kawhi. Um, Maxi Kleba, I, I love how everyone was clowning on Pat Bev when Luca was torching him, but Maxi Kleba's getting a pass. I think it's just because Pat Bev's loud, but Maxi Kleba has been just dominated by whether it's Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. They're taking turns on that kid. And Kawhi's just literally – I don't know if I've seen him ever play better offensively. Yeah, Maxi Kleba can defend the rim and can deter shots in the paint, but he cannot do much else on defense. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. The reason Pat Beverly gets a little bit more shit on, uh, I think because he deserves it, but he's a, a big talker. Yeah. Um, and he's annoying, yeah. But, yeah, Kawhi Leonard is just putting on a show. It's not even 40% from three. It's almost 48%. Yeah. Um, he just cannot miss. This is, according to the numbers, one of the most efficient high-volume scoring series ever. Yep. Um, and, I mean, I made a stupid comment the last episode about we got to talk about whether or not he's getting past his prime. Because um, sometimes his knees don't look too right. But, I mean, when he's locked in, he is just amazing. It's, um, he's like a no-brainer contestant for best player in the world yeah. when he's locked in it's like a no questions asked like him kd lebron they're the only players on that level in my mm-hmm. opinion um, rondo has had a couple of good games too the last two yeah. games he's been important for them they used him in the pick and roll with him and Kawhi leonard down the stretch um and that worked out pretty well for them in game three yeah. uh if the clippers this is how i expected the clippers to play to start the series yeah and if they did, they might be up 3-1 right now. Yeah. Uh, they have – this is the talent level that I expected to see. Marcus Morris was second in the NBA this year uh, in three-point percentage. And his numbers are slowly climbing back up in games three and four. He had terrible game one and twos. Yeah. Um, this is what I expected. It stinks that Serge Ibaka can't play. He's been dealing with lower back problems, and I just want to see him healthy. But yeah. Ty Lue's making moves. He's making changes. Um, I thought he was a garbage coach. We said that last time. He's given yeah. Terrence Mann more minutes. He's giving Patrick Beverly less minutes. 
Well, he did everything we said he should do. Like, to the common folk who just know basketball, like, it was perplexing what he did in those first two games. Like, it made no sense. Now I think he's starting to understand that you can't have a seven-foot-two guy who has foot speed as if he's trapped in quicksand and a six-foot guy guarding someone 6'9", 220, but has some of the best handles in the league. It's just – it was asinine when he was doing it. Now he's just doing the defensive strategy of, uh, hey, Luca, I'm going to put Terrence Mann on you, Marcus Morris on you, Kawhi on you, Paul George on you, Nick Batum on you. It's just going to be a rotating door every single time you come down the court, and you're going to have to try to figure out how to beat every single one of these defenders. Mm -hmm. His confidence, Luca's confidence is a little bit rattled. He's shook. Um, Game one and two, he was playing with house money, was taking fade to the side, one-legged threes. Um, as soon as he got locked up a little bit, the pressure started hitting him. Um, but besides Luca, Kristaps Porzingis is a seven foot two shooting guard. It's unbelievable how bad he is. And how like how weak his lower body is. The fact that he can have a six foot three point guard on him and he turn he decides to fade away from the free throw line. Um, unacceptable. I really, I think it's the ACL injury that's really killing him because defensively he is a traffic cone mm. and he at least used to be able to get blocks. Yeah. Um, I think the Mavs made a mistake bringing him in. I think Mark Cuban made a mistake getting Kristaps uh, as the running mate for Luca yeah. because as a number two option, Kristaps is not that dude. He plays like a shooting guard. Yeah. He's averaging like what four rebounds this series and he's seven foot two and a half. It's like, yeah, it, it's unacceptable. I, re I remember texting you real time when I was watching the game and like, I laughed out loud in my living room, watching Kristaps post up Reggie Jackson and go for an 18 turnaround fade instead of just bullying his ass into the block. He doesn't have the ability to bully people. Like no matter what size though, like it could yeah. be Facundo Campazzo and he could lock Kristaps up in the yep. block. And it's just, it doesn't even make sense. You think of someone who's seven foot three with nice touch around the rim and a shooting ability. It doesn't even equate to his game just because he thinks he's a shooting guard. Like you said, it's just, Luca is really on an island by himself. Um, I think that like the more I look at it, the first two games, in my opinion, were just a sham. Um, for Tim Hardaway Jr. to shoot 56% from three the first two games and score 25 points per game in those first two like that's never happening again never they were wide open like I Joe know, Harris but, level wide open I know but Tim Hardaway is just not Joe Harris he's yeah. a good shooter he's not Joe Harris yeah, so yeah, for yeah. him to average 25 points per game on 50 50 and like 90 right it's just never gonna happen again the the thing for me that I think is the most shocking is Luca is shooting a higher field goal percentage and three-point percentage than free throw percentage. 40.6% from the free throw line. It almost seems like he needs to take a step back, like a half step back from the free throw line. He is overdoing every shot, breaking it off the back rim. Um, I don't know why he's such a garbage free throw shooter. LeBron's not a very good free throw shooter no. either, but he's not 40%. Yeah. Um, it's It's – unreal that somebody as talented as Luca cannot hit a free throw watching him go oh of five to start a game in a game they needed to win mm -hmm. it's just like I, I I don't understand how it's possible I just I can't even begin to understand it either I, I don't get it to be that bad it's like literally it's like DeAndre Jordan at the line 
Yeah, worse. It's just unbelievable. A player that's going to be first-team All-NBA who shoots pretty well from three and great from the floor, and it's just he can't make one to save his life, and they're never close. It's not like they rim out. It's just like clank, clank. It's like it's horrible. So I don't really know, and I have to give a shout-out because of how much me and you rag on this dude. Paul George has looked pretty good. Yes. Like, I'm not saying he's incredible, but he's been good enough to really, cons- like, consider him a co-star. Like, because mm-hmm. in other past playoff performances, he's just been horrible. You can't even call him a star. At least in this, like, series, he's looked pretty good. Like, I'm trying to pull up his averages here. But he's just – he gets to the cup at a good percentage. He's making people, like, really test him on – so he's shooting – Wow, is he really averaging 20? He's averaging 25 points per game on 50% shooting and 95 from the free throw line. I mean, I'll take that every day. His three-point shot hasn't really been falling, but, I mean, if you're, if you're scoring 25 a game and shooting 50 from the floor, that's, that's pretty amazing. The thing that he's been doing well is he'll bring a big, a Dallas big out to the three-point line and then just blow by him. Yeah. Every time Kristaps Porzingis gets switched onto him, it is a bucket for Paul George. Um, his ability to score inside has been really, really good. His three-point shot hasn't been falling very well. He's only shooting 30%. Uh, We know he's a great three-point shooter. I think that'll start rising a bit. Um, But, yeah, he is best as a co-star. He's best as a number two option. When he was the main guy in Oklahoma City, when when they were relying on him to score all the points, it just doesn't really work out. Plus, you had Russ on that team kind of wanting to be the guy as well. Um, I think the fact that everybody knows Kawhi is the best player on this team helps Paul George a little bit. Um, And it's just the role players for me too are slowly starting to step up, which they need it. Like Kawhi is amazing, but he can only do so much on his own. Right. How do you see the rest of the series going? um, I I have Clippers in six, I think. Um, And what you said is so true because Kawhi was great from the beginning, right? Like there was no, he was, dominating um but players like Marcus Morris Reggie Jackson they weren't doing anything Mm -hmm. Marcus Morris hit three threes in the same corner in the fourth quarter I think of game three and just shut it out he he, Dallas was making a run he hit a three Dallas was making a run he hit a three he just killed all momentum in that game and without him they don't win that game even with Kawhi's insane performance so Mm -hmm. um now that he's doing something this team's a completely different beast. Yeah. And the fact that the Clippers were one of the best three-point shooting teams in NBA history in the regular season and over the series, they're only shooting 37% from three makes me think that these last two games, if they just shoot average from three, it's going to be a wrap for the Clippers. Yep. Um, Which is so different than how we were talking, what, a week ago uh, when the Mavs were up 2-0 and it looked like the Clippers were just lost out there. Yeah, I don't know who it is on this Clippers team that can turn this whole thing around, but somebody was able to do it. So props to whoever that is. Yeah, I, I just I, – I'm still a little nervous about Paul George. I don't – I feel bad even saying that because he's been playing so well. But um, Dallas is a tra- – the whole team's just traffic cones everywhere. They don't defend at mm-hmm. all. So, like – I think this is a really good series for him to get confidence heading into other playoffs uh, matchups, though. So 
Um, I just, right as of right now, I love the way they look, and I can't really believe what I mean. If Tyloo kept doing what he was doing, it would have he should have been fired. Like yes. I came on this podcast and said, "Fire that man, trade Paul George, like just blow the whole thing up." Mm-hmm. I think that was a realistic option if Tyloo kept coaching like that. But yeah. the way they're playing now, can't say anything bad about him. No, yeah, he's he's definitely shown that he can make some changes. Um, we we had very harsh things to say about him last time, but I think he's showing his worth as a coach a little bit. And the, the before we move on, I just can't believe he was right about the shooting thing. I, yeah, I, I pulled up his quote and like basically gagged on him because mm-hmm. it's just, it didn't make any sense to me. And he turned out being right about the shooting in Dallas. Like, hey, props to him, man. Yeah, he just apparently they just stopped hitting wide open threes. Yeah, so um, um, yeah, yeah, impressive from him. Um, but we're gonna take a little break and then hit you up with some of the other series we have to talk about. All right, and we're back. Uh, we're gonna start here talking about Nets versus Bucks, which is gonna be the conference semifinals matchup in the East. Uh, but first, I just want to talk about the fact that the Bucks swept the Heat, um, and just how great that has to feel if you are a fan of the Milwaukee Bucks or if you're a player in Milwaukee. Um, the fact that they just got clowned last year in the bubble and they were just able to kind of change up their whole strategy this time around, have Giannis be the primary defender for Jimmy Butler. Um, they had lockdown guys for, uh, what's the name? Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. They weren't able to get easy shots off. Drew Holiday's been a huge difference maker. I just think it's awesome for Milwaukee that they were able to get this sweep. Uh, game one was big. Once they won game one, I think they realized they were just the better team and they just steamrolled them games two, three, and four. Yeah. Um, so first of all, what are your thoughts on Miami getting swept like that? I'm not sh- super shocked. Um, I just, like we said in the last pod, I didn't expect the victory margin to be so great uh, from the Bucks side. Like mm-hmm. I knew that the Bucks were the better team from the jump. Uh, we both chose them in five games. Um, I'm just assuming me and you both thought like Jimmy Buckets could probably sneak one out, um, but they didn't even allow that to happen. I mean, I just, they dominated them from jump to finish. And I think the really encouraging sign for the Bucks too is Giannis didn't play great and they still destroyed them. Um, if you go to Giannis's stats, he shot 6% from three. <laughs> Six. Um, I think that's the lowest percentage from three I've ever seen. <laughs> and they still dominated. He only shot 45% from the floor, too. So, like, that's way under his average. Yeah. And he still managed to win the series. So, I think that's a really good look for them to be so bad for their superstar, their number one guy to be so bad and still win the series convincingly. Yeah. Also, Drew Holiday shot 20% from the three-point line. P.J. Tucker, 28% from the three-point line. DiVincenzo, 16% from the three-point line. Um, Even despite all of their garbage shooting, they were still able to convincingly beat the Heat every single game except for game one. Um, I think, yeah, this does look really good for them going into the Nets series. So let's just talk about Nets Bucks. Yeah. Um, there's some times where the Nets look like an unbeatable team that should not lose a single game in the entirety of the playoffs. Like yeah. they, it looks like they should go 16 and 0 through the whole playoffs. And then there are some times where they actually look beatable. 
Um, I think the key for the Bucks is Drew Holiday has to lock up James Harden and they have to just let Kyrie be the point guard um, because he loves taking difficult shots. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he hits them. A lot of the time he hits them and he looks amazing. But the times yeah. where he's not hitting them, he just kind of disrupts the Nets offense a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really the only hope for the Bucks to win these games is to stop Harden from being the kind of playmaker that he is. I think you're exactly right. Um, KD and Giannis, I think they're going to put Giannis on KD the whole series. Um, just because, like I said, like Giannis isn't even really their number one offensive like go-to person right now. So you can use his defense maybe more than you would in other series. Um, and then Drew Holiday on Harden. Harden's ability to run the offense and get people open looks is so much more valuable than Kyrie taking 360 fallaways out of, out of bounds. It's just like, it doesn't even really match up. So um, Drew Holiday will definitely have his hands full. James Harden looked in unbelievable against the Celtics last night. I mean, just like. His averages un- are 28, 7, and 11. Those were his averages for the series. Yeah, he just looked unbeatable. Um, but I think these teams actually match up really, really well for each other. Um, I think it's just going to, I think it's going to be a, like a seven game just war. I think this is going to seven games for sure. I think it is too, and I really want the Bucks to win. Um, I don't know if I think that they will. It's tough for me to actually bet on the Bucks, but I want them to win. Yeah. Um, I just – if Tristan Thompson can get 19 and 13, crashing the boards and getting offensive yeah. rebounds the way that he did, who is going to stop Giannis? Jeff no. Green's not going to be there for a couple of games. Um, and when he's coming back, he's still dealing with turf toe, so he's going to be in pain they're going to have their work cut out for them. Do they just let Giannis score 40 in the paint and try to shut down everybody else? I think so, because they actually just don't have the personnel to stop him. I mean, they could try Nick Claxton. He's a quick, quick big. Uh, he's got great feet for a guy that size. Like, But Bam is just a unique defender that seems to have figured out kind of how to slow down Giannis. And he's really the only person we've seen other than Kawhi do it. So mm-hmm. it's been Kawhi and Bam that have shut down Giannis. And Jackson doesn't have the strength. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Giannis is a ginormous man. Like, yeah. he's 250 pounds of just pure muscle. So, like, yeah, yeah. he can throw people around. So I think, I think I'm going to take Nets in seven, but I would not be shocked if the Bucs won, honestly. The way they played against Miami, it's totally plausible that they could win this series. The thing is, for me, they could let Giannis score in the paint like pretty often, and then they yeah. could just trade Milwaukee's twos for threes. How um, do you think Kevin Durant's going to do in this series with Giannis being his primary defender? Because you know how highly I think of Durant, but I do think – like I still think he's going to hit like 35-5 and five throughout the series, but I don't think they're going to be easy buckets. Like I think he's going to maybe – be a tick below in his efficiency that maybe he would be otherwise. He might be. Um, I think Giannis is not like one, an amazing perimeter defender. Um, so Kevin Durant, as shifty as he is, will be able to score over Giannis yeah. at the three-point line. But he'll, I don't think Kevin Durant will be able to really score that easy in the paint. Um, or even at the mid-range, Giannis can make those shots difficult. Yeah. Um, Kevin Durant will still hit him because he's amazing. Yeah, But, I mean, Giannis can make those types of shots as difficult as anybody in the league can make them. Yep. Um, he's not shooting 50-50-90 like he did against the Celtics. Right. Um, can we just take a moment? 32.5 points on 50-50-90. Kevin Durant 
is not hasn't slowed down a step. Um, I hope he's healthy for the whole playoffs because if he is, man, that's just that's incredible. That's like historic how good that is. I think I think it's fair to say that Kawhi, Kevin Durant, and LeBron are just one one A and one C right now. Um, LeBron's looked worse than both of those players, but with the reputation he has of just turning on the like the switch and then dropping 51 points in a game. I'm not going to take him out of the number one spot, but mm-hmm. the way Kawhi and Kevin Durant have been playing is just, it's ridiculous. Like it doesn't even make sense how efficient Kevin Durant is. Yeah, he is. I think Kevin Durant's probably the best scorer in the NBA. Um, Kawhi gives him a run for his money, but Kevin Durant just has more moves and the dribble. The, and the dribble. Yeah. yeah. The, the fact that he can dribble that well at 6'11 yeah. is amazing. Just watching him torch the Celtics. I wish I wasn't a Celtics fan because just mm-hmm. it was so impressive. Yeah. It's just like you just got to appreciate the greatness. Yeah, um, that's exactly how I view it too. I'm just like thankful I get to watch him because it's what he does out there we might never see again. Like a 6'11 guy who can handle like that and shoot like that, it, it may never come around again. How many years in a row have we seen a tall, skinny dude come out of the draft who shoots threes in warm-up and everybody goes, this is the next KD, and yeah. then he sucks and is unplayable? How many times have we seen that? Like, Brandon Ingram was starting to get some hype for that last year when he won Most Improved, and, like, he's nowhere close to what Kevin Durant is. Like, nowhere close. No way. Um, KD I, plays I think- defense, too. Yeah, dude, his I, – I said it on the last pod. Like, his defense is starting to come around. And he is, like – when he tries on defense, which he does in the playoffs, it's just – he's, like, an actual all-NBA type defender. Mm-hmm. I think the, the Nets have that kind of quality defenders, too. Kyrie's not a good defender, but he's can, he can be locked in. But James Harden – as a one-on-one defender, he can be pretty good. As a post defender, he is so strong. Um, you don't expect a dude who plays the guard like James Harden to be as good of a post defender as he is, but he is just so strong and so unmovable in the post. Um, I'm just really interested to see what their strategy is against Giannis. Chris Middleton can always get his own. Drew Holiday, I think he's kind of locked into his role as a facilitator. Yeah. Um, and I think it works really well for him. But I Giannis is the X factor for me. However well he does determines this series. 100%. 100%. Going to be super fun. Um, let's move on to a not-so-fun series, uh, the 76ers versus the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you have a little bit to say about Ben Simmons, but just overall, this will be a five-game series. But what, what are you, what's uh, going on with Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons just uh, can't hit a free throw and seems to be getting a little bit rattled. Um, I know these games don't matter. I know, I mean, like, they matter, but the Sixers are going to win the series regardless. Right. Um, It doesn't matter if Ben Simmons goes 0 for 9 from the free throw line or if he goes 9 for 9, they're going to win the series. Um, But he is currently shooting 25% from the free throw line. Yep. um, Which is pathetic. 25% on five attempts a game. The Wizards won the last game because they just hacked Ben Simmons. Every single offensive possession for the Sixers that they could, they would foul Ben Simmons. He would go to the free throw line and he would sometimes hit one. Um, And if it's a guy like Shaq or like Dwight Howard, I heard, I think Kenny Smith say this on TNT. um, Those guys don't have the ball in their hands all the time. So if you don't want them to take free throws, don't pass them the ball. 
but Ben Simmons is your point guard. So he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Yep. Um, and if these games are close against whoever the Sixers play next, I don't know that it'll matter against the Knicks or the Hawks, but if they play the, uh, the Bucks or the Nets, Ben Simmons can't be this big of a liability in the fourth quarter. The, um, the, he has such a difficult time getting any respect from anybody. And it's like low, it's well warranted because of like what you said, he's shooting 25% from the free throw and Kenny could not have said it better. If this, if Ben Simmons was a center, we would glorify him. We would Mm -hmm. call him one of the most unique players in the entire league. And we would all love Ben Simmons because he is a person who handles the ball for this team. It's atrocious what he does out there on the court, like not attempting a three, and shooting 25% from the uh, free throw line. It's just, it's just so strange. Um, but he's such a great defensive weapon and so good at transition and setting up people. You have to keep him on the court. But let's just call it what it is. He lost the 76ers that game. Um, he did. The Wizards relied, knew in their head, if we follow this kid, he's not making both. And they just did it over and over and over again. So, yeah. It's the, the pressure of the big moments on him. Um, if you, I've, I've looked back a little bit. Dwight Howard in practice time as a Laker could shoot 80% from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when he isn't actually in a game, he was a fine free throw shooter. Um, but as soon as it's a real game, something about that pressure gets to people. And it seems like it's getting to Ben Simmons. Um, he's never been a great free throw shooter, but he's always been better than 25%. And yeah. yeah, I mean, just if he was just a big who could handle the ball really well, he'd be one of the best bigs out there. Um, I would love to see a dude on the Sixers with really good ball handling skills because Ben Simmons as the role man in a pick and roll is deadly. Yeah. He's always a lob threat, but there's just not people on the Sixers that can throw him lobs. Right. Um, the fact that Joel Embiid's out with knee soreness kind of stinks. I think he'll be okay. Um, I was seeing some twi- kind of cryptic tweets from Daryl Morey making it seem like Joel Embiid's okay. I hope they're just being overly cautious. It just sucks that he can't ever play a full healthy series. Yeah, it's it robbed him of the MVP this year. Cause yep. Even though I think Jokic was just unbelievable, if you're the first seed in the East and you average 30, 10, and whatever, you're going to win the MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, so – yeah, just hoping Joel gets back and just can end this series. It's not a fun one to watch. I suggest that you actually don't watch these games. That It's not great. Um, Russell Westbrook is getting classic Russell Westbrook triple-doubles, though. Oh, actually, points. can I say a quick thing on him? Of can course I you can. Thing on him? I am back to despising the way he plays basketball. Of I know I came, on, yeah, I came on this podcast and I said, oh, I'm going to like lay off of him. I'm just going to try <laughs> to appreciate him. No, can't do it. I tried for like a week and a half. It's impossible for me to do. I've just had so many years of just despising the way this dude plays basketball. So when I watch it, it's like it, it actually triggers my gag reflex. This dude is so bad at making decisions. And everyone's going to be like, oh, did you see Russ just got another triple-double? He had 16, 15, and 13. Yeah, did you see that he shot three for 19 from the floor? Oh, okay, perfect. So – yeah, he is not a good basketball player. Bradley Beal's been horrible from three. Horrible, horrible games to watch. Yeah, I'm not going to go as far as to say he's not a good basketball player, but he is he's inefficient. He's not. He's an inefficient shooter. What is the point of being on the court 
if when you're taking shots that you can't make all the time. Yeah, 19 what? shots, 19 shot attempts is disgusting. Um, it, it doesn't but who are you going to give them to? Davis Bertans so he can break them again? I mean, I Rui guess. Hachimura? I guess you're right. I guess you're right. It's like, who do you There's even know? There's not a dude. Yeah. Scott Brooks put out a lineup the other day that had four guards and a center, Robin Lopez. Yeah. Bradley Beal, six foot three. Russell Westbrook, six one. Uh, Ish Smith, six feet tall. Raul Neto, six feet tall. That yeah. was their, the four of those guys were on the floor at the same time against the Sixers. Yeah. Um, and unsurprisingly, they got stomped. I despise Scott Brooks. Um, I think it sucks that they've had the injuries that they've had. I really like Denny Avdia. I think he yeah. can really become a good player one day. It sucks that he can't play in this series. Um, but Scott Brooks, man, just Russell Westbrook has saved his job, and it's such a tragedy. I just want to read off for our listeners really quickly what the triple-double king has done for the Wizards in this series. <laughs> He is averaging 17 points. He's averaging uh, 11 rebounds and 12 assists. So there's your triple-double that every fan on planet Earth goes stupid for, right? Yeah. All right, let's, let's dive a little deeper. He's shooting 32% from the floor. 32. He's shooting 20% from three. He's averaging over four turnovers a game. He's horrible. Yeah. Like, actually bad. And people are like, oh, triple-double, triple-double. He's worth his $40 million contract. It's like, holy hell. Like, look a little deeper, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he's the triple-doubles that he's getting these games are not very good, despite the fact that he got that win. Um, 12 assists to four turnovers isn't terrible. It's not bad. It really isn't. But still, like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a little rough watching it. Um, they're just – they don't have enough talent, and if he passed up those shots, it was going to be to another bad shooter. Um, yeah. It'll be good to see the Wizards not playing anymore. And I'm, I'm starting to get on the train of yours where Bradley Beal needs to get the hell out of Washington. Yeah, and just one more thing on Russell before we move on, because if we keep doing this topic, I'll be here all day. But <laughs> he is – like, everyone loves this guy, right? Like, all of his teammates talk so highly of him. If I played basketball with him, I would want to, like, jump off a building after. Because every time he makes a mistake, he yells at his teammates to get in better position. Whenever his teammates make mistakes, he gets right up in their grill and has crazy eyes on him and is yelling at them to fix their rotations. Mm -hmm. But he's the king of messing up defensive rotations. He's the king of it. Watching him throw a ball out of bounds and then get mad at his teammate for not being at the spot where he whipped it out of bounds, that's, that's pretty stupid. It's infuriating. So, I mean, obviously he's a great guy in the locker room. He must have a really cool personality because if I played basketball with him, I would want to die. Um, <laughs> moving on, Hawks Knicks has been incredible. Um, even though these games aren't as close as maybe the first one was, um, the energy in these games, even in Atlanta, who isn't known to have like a rambunctious fan base, they were rocking. Um, yeah, I am yeah. loving this series. Yeah, I am too. I am loving Trey Young. Um, I, man, I, I've talked a lot of trash about Trey Young in the past because his foul baiting is just so annoying. Yeah. Um, but you can't deny the kind of competitor that he is. Yep. I love so much all the shit that he talks at the Knicks. 
Um, he was talking shit right in Reggie Bullock's face the other day. Um, and he's backing it up. 28 points a game, 10 assists. He's shooting okay. I mean, 37% from the three-point line on seven and a half attempts. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, it's making me wonder why we were so confident in the Knicks. I well, know Julius Randle is not supposed to be the kind of bum that he has been in the past in this series so far because he's really we we could spend 10 minutes talking about how bad he's been um but the atlanta hawks are just a more talented team yeah derrick rose is doing as much as he possibly can um i would love to see i don't know that this will happen but i would love to see him go back to chicago next year and try to make that team better because Mm -hmm. i just love chicago so much and i want them to succeed but let's just talk for a second about Julius Randle. Yeah, can I go in? Yeah, of course you can. He is the new worst playoff performer in the league. Uh, he has taken Paul George's throne. Um, it's not even really close. Paul George, in my book, has kind of taken himself a little bit out of that conversation. I want to I see him have this type of performance through his playoff run, maybe not just in one series. But, I mean, as of right now, this is some of the worst basketball I've ever seen played by a single player like like role player, star player, superstar player, just any player I've ever watched did some of the worst basketball I've ever seen. Um, 16 points on 27% from the field. Ooh. 27. On how many shot attempts? Do you want me to say? Let me check for you. 18. Uh, 18. 18 shots. Um, I mean, he's averaging 11 boards, but that's not what he's there to do. He's there to score the basketball. Um and he's averaging 3.8 turnovers to every four assists he gets. So it's basically just one and one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hawks are like daring him to score at this point. They don't even care that he's on the floor. And this is from a guy who's probably going to be named either third or second team All-NBA. And it's like a no-show. Like call an Amber Alert or call whatever that thing. Like it's he's nowhere to be found. It's <laughs> unbelievable how bad he's been in this series. For any dude in a in a playoff series to have taken more than 50 shots, he has the lowest field goal percentage of all time. Yeah. Um, it's really it's impressive how bad he's been. Yeah. Um, and it seems to be he's got some he's got the yips. He's got some sort of mental hang up going on. Um, because we've read out the averages twice. He crushed the Hawks in the regular season, mm-hmm. absolutely owned them, um, and now he can't do anything. Nothing. Derek Rose ha- is using everything he's got in the tank, 23 points on 50% from the field, 50% from three, and 100% from the free, f- from the free throw line. Um, I think the last game he was the only Nick to make more than three shots. Yeah. It's, it's pathetic. R.J. Barrett, where has he been? That's where I want to go. percent from the three-point line. Where are their young stars? Is this a Tibbs thing? Are they burnt out? Are they not ready for the moment? What is this? So this is why I didn't like R.J. Barrett for so long, because, like, the shooting is just atrocious. And in the regular season, he proved me wrong. He shot 40% from three, but we're seeing rookie R.J. Barrett in the playoffs, where it's like every shot he takes, you know it's just going to clank. You have no confidence whatsoever that it's going to go in. And that's why I never really liked him as a player. I just thought he was a guy who needed the ball in his hands a lot and couldn't shoot. And it didn't make sense to me. And that's what we're seeing in the playoffs. I think the Knicks' two best players are 
playing horribly, and somehow Derrick Rose has turned himself into the best player on the Knicks. I just think I just think it's over. I think this series ends in five games, and I'm psyched to see Trey Young talk to the Garden as he just stomps out the Knicks. I'm excited to see it too. Um, I was gonna shout out. I was gonna call out somebody, but I don't remember who. R.J. Barrett. Yeah, it's just I don't I I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening with anybody on this Knicks team. They were a great regular season defensive team. Yeah. Um, our Julius Randle's never looked like a fluid basketball player. You said this, and the more I watch it, the more I think you're right. It's just on everything he does looks clunky and just like, like you said on the last pod, like how did that go in? Yeah. Um, and they're just not going in. It it's just seems like he's no longer getting lucky. Um, Literally. And yeah, it's going to be, it's, this is like as laughable as the Giannis MVP last year, uh, where they're going to be out of the playoffs already. I mean, he's already gotten his award, but I mean, like most improved player, we're not seeing it in this series. We're seeing the Julius Randle of last year that Knicks yeah. fans did not want anywhere near them. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Hawks are just a great team. I mean, I, I'm just enjoying watching them play. You can't even use the excuse that, Oh, uh, the Knicks just don't have any playoff experience because the Hawks don't either. Yeah, yeah um, they're both inexperienced. Trey Young's just ready for the moment, and Julius Randle just is not. This is my favorite little caveat to this series: is Julius Randle is eligible for an extension, so the Knicks are going to have to decide after watching him put on one of the worst playoff performances in NBA history whether or not to give him $30 million a year for the next four years. I, I think that is such an underrated storyline in this series. Yeah. Because if we think about the Knicks without Julius Randle, they would have been horrible. It's mm-hmm. no, like he dragged them to the playoffs this year, but for him to play this way when it matters and then give him a $30 million a year contract, I just think, what an interesting dilemma the Knicks have in front of them. Yeah, he's really shooting himself out of the biggest contract he could have ever gotten. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty impressive. I don't know where this team really goes next year because um, it's not like this team, as it's constructed, is going to attract a lot of free agents. kind of seems like they're just going to run it back and hope that these guys develop. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, man, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the Knicks do with Julius Randle. one more thing before I go do you think they do because you said you don't think the way the team's constructed they have a chance at like getting another guy I think the Knicks have somewhat restored their reputation by getting to the playoffs I know they're not playing well in the playoffs but just getting there shows that they have some stability Mm. do you think star players want to play for Tibbs I don't think so I don't know. It depends on the type of star player. Jimmy Butler loved him. But who, who other than Jimmy Butler has spoken, like, highly of him? Like Colin I mean, I think Thompson. the guys on the Knicks this year have, but you need someone with that kind of mentality. Yeah. Um, I think the sort of person that would do really well on this Knicks team is somebody who's just a pure scorer because the Knicks lack offense pretty badly. Yes, they do. Um, so, I mean, this is a pretty weak free agent class regardless. Yeah. I would like to see them try to trade up in the, the draft because they're still a young team. If they could get, like, a Jalen Green on their team just to score, um, that would really, really be nice for them. I don't know that they have any sort of package to go up and get that, but they need a pure scorer. They'd have to get rid of Barrett and Toppin to do that, I think. They'd- I love Toppin. 
I think they'd have to get rid of both to even sniff that opportunity. I don't even know if a team would accept that. Yeah, um, I don't know. But I, I totally agree with you, though. They just – Julius Randle is, was their only scorer throughout the entire regular season. And now that he's having one of the worst performances in NBA history, this team looks like it's in shambles. Like, there's no chance they win this series. No. No, I mean, I don't know that there's even a chance that they win the next game unless Julius Randle suddenly remembers how to score a basketball. No, it's over. Trey's going to put a fork in them in front of their home crowd, and I'm just going to love every second of it. And he's going to shush MSG the whole time. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Yeah. Um, All right, last series. Yeah, Utah, Utah Memphis. Memphis. Um, they, this is – I mean, we both expected this to go five games, um, but just like – I want to bring up something that I heard on Twitter and I heard on some podcasts and stuff like that. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on it. In 2009, the Orlando Magic made the NBA Finals with the strategy of having a dominant defensive big man with Dwight Howard winning four Defensive Player of the Year awards in a row and then just shooters everywhere around him. Jameer Nelson, Rashad Lewis, Hito Turkoglu, all those people and just spread them out, shoot threes and then have a dominant force in the middle. People are comparing this Utah team to that strategy. You got Rudy Gobert, an unbelievable defender, and then everyone else on the roster can shoot threes. Do you think they have a chance to make it to the finals with the way the Lakers look and stuff like that, or no? So I don't think the Lakers are even making it that far. So I absolutely think that they have a chance. I What I would love so much was is to see a Jazz Suns Western Conference Finals. Um, I don't think the NBA in general wants that. Mm -hmm. Adam Silver loves the high ratings, big market versus big market. They love, he loves those series. Yeah. Um, And Utah and Phoenix is the opposite of that right now. Um, But I mean, it's an interesting comparison. The thing that's different for me about Rudy Gobert is he understands his role precisely. Like there's no confusion in his mind about what his role is. And Dwight Howard always tried to do too much. He always thought he was a post-god that he could just score over anybody, and he just never had the touch. Um, I I think this Jazz team could make it to the finals. Um, Mike Conley, I don't know if it's just that he's playing against his old team in Memphis and he's got a fire lit under him or what, but this is as good as I've ever seen Mike Conley play. He's playing like he's an all-star right now. Um, I know people clowned on him a bit for that all-star selection, that it was a legacy thing more than it was him deserving it. Um, But he's playing like right now, like he's the best player on the jazz. Mm -hmm. I know Donovan Mitchell still has to get into form. I know he's still working on his ankle. Um, But I mean, his turnover ratio, turnover to assist ratio, five assists to one turnover. That's amazing. Um. 20 points, 10 assists. He's just, he's doing an excellent job. And their shooters, after having a slow first game, are absolutely doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. D- Donovan Mitchell is scoring 28 points per game, but it's on really bad efficiency right now. And mm-hmm. obviously, I think he's rehabbing from whatever injury he had. But like you said, Mike Conley's just been spectacular. And Rudy Gobert, like you said, he just understands his role so well he's scoring 16 points on almost 80 percent from the floor and averaging three blocks a game like that's exactly what they expect from him there's no ifs ands or buts about it that's what he's going to give you I think this team's really like primed for a deeper run than maybe I expected because I just assumed the Lakers would just run through everyone that was just my whole mindset the entire season and now that they don't look as polished as maybe as I thought they would um, you have teams that the Jazz could face, like Phoenix, which I think they could 
probably beat. It would be a great series, but I think it wouldn't be a shock if they won. Mm -hmm. They could beat the Clippers. I think, I think that would be an upset, but again, wouldn't be shocked. Like they have an avenue to really make a finals run here, which I just didn't expect. Yeah. The jazz versus Clippers. That'll be, if that's the series, that'll be an incredibly interesting series. Yeah. Um, Because the Jazz don't have defenders to lock down Kawhi or Paul George. Not like anybody can do that, but yeah. it's the same way the other way around. The Clippers aren't going to stop their shooters. No. Um, I think Rudy Gobert has done an excellent job. Game one, he only played 25 minutes, and he was in foul trouble pretty much the whole game, and then they lost. Um, and if you saw, if you listened to that TNT broadcast, Shaq was as happy as I've ever seen him to be able to trash Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but he's turned it around. He's yeah. been playing pretty much all of every game, shooting almost 80% from the field, and he's got over three blocks a game. Yeah. Um, this is the kind of impact I expected from Rudy Gobert, and I'm not concerned about Donovan Mitchell shooting inefficient. I no. think this is what, since you know you're the better team, you let him shoot himself back into form. Yeah. Um, what I will say about the Memphis Grizzlies is they are in these games. They're mm-hmm. the less experienced team, and you see that once the fourth quarter starts. But I really like uh, D'Anthony Melton. I think he's been great for them. I think Dylan Brooks is improving a lot. Um, I just think this team has a really, really good future. Oh, absolutely. I mean, John Morant's basically solidified himself as a star in this series. He's averaging 31 points per game on almost 50% from the floor. We know the three-point shot's not going to fall, but does it even matter at this point? I mean, no, not really. Um, seven, seven and a half assists, four rebounds. I mean, the guy's just incredible. Um, Dylan Brooks has shocked the hell out of me. Um, his three point shots, not really falling with great consistency, but I didn't expect him to be able to score the way he's scoring just in general. Um, I do have a hot take here though. And I'm curious to hear what you have to say, because it's, it pains me to say this because I was this player's, one of his biggest fans. I know where this is going. Darren Jackson Jr. is basically the new Kristaps Porzingis. Um, <laughs> he gets hurt, you wait for him to get back to shape, and then he never improves because he's always just staying at the same pace. Um, he has been atrocious this series, um, not really doing anything defensively, not really doing anything offensively. He's just out there um, and not doing anything. So, uh, I mean, I've been watching Porzingis about as closely as you can watch a player because I'm watching every Clippers game with my eyes glued to the TV. And when I switch to this series, I see a lot of similarities. I mean, he's a shot, he's a, a 6'11 shot chucker from three and doesn't really use his height to his advantage at all. It just seems like he's a 6'11 shooting guard. So I, I'm just, I'm a little discouraged. I thought there was like real defensive player of the year type things and like he could be an all NBA third team type power forward. I'm not sure if I feel that way anymore. Um, I just feel like I've been super underwhelmed this whole series by him. I absolutely have. And I'm trying to be generous. I'm not sure. I, this, the Jazz team's not really a good team for him to go up against anyway. Um, if they're playing him at the four, all of the fours that the Jazz roll out are so much more mobile than Jaron yeah. Jackson Jr. Um, so they just make him look bad on defense. Um but yeah, he has been incredibly underwhelming. I think it's tough that he was he just got healthy before the playoffs started. Um, but that's, I mean, we, we said this earlier, availability. It's the best ability. He hasn't yeah. been available. 
Um, and now that he's finally playing, he's not playing like the best version of himself. Four fouls a game. He, we've always, we've said this so many times that if he could just get his fouls under control, he'd really be an amazing defender. But yeah. besides the fouls, he hasn't been doing anything. Nothing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit worried about it. I thought, I, with you, I thought he had defensive player of the year potential. Playing like this, there's not a chance. No chance. Um, I hope that there's just improvement from a handful of these guys over the offseason. The fact that they had the record that they did slightly above 500 with these players means that if they just all improve just a tick, that yeah. this, is, this could be a six seed in the West. Yeah. Um, which isn't, which is saying a lot. I just think I love the way that these guys play together. I just hope that they keep most of this crew together. Yeah. I think another issue with Jackson is he's so like in theory, he would be a great five, right? Like he's a mobile guy who protects the rim really well, but he just gets bodied because mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to use physicality at all. His game is there's no physicality in his game on the offensive end or on the defensive end. He just really get. He's good at tipping the ball and blocking the ball. He's not good at stopping people from getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just, I don't know, man. It, and it comes back to what I said earlier in the year at that trade, made up trade episode we did. I wanted Michael Porter Jr. to be on this team, and they because they desperately need shooting and scoring, and I think they expect that out of Jaron Jackson to be like their best three point shooter. And I just think that's kind of insane to expect that out of him so I don't know if it just like his expectations need to be tampered or he's just not the player I think he was gonna be I I don't know what to think but I'm I've just been underwhelmed I think they lose this next game Memphis um and I think they need this long offseason Jaron Jackson Jr. more than anybody needs this offseason to just improve in his weak spots he's got to get a stronger lower body yeah. Um, he gets bullied in the post one because he doesn't know how to use his body and two, cause he's not very strong. Yep. Um, Jonas Valanciunas is great. Like in the role that he plays, he's doing just fine. Um, I actually like really enjoy watching him play. Sometimes he did really well in the play in uh, Rudy Gobert is not the sort of center you want to go up against no matter who you are. But yeah. I mean, he's scoring relatively efficiently and I just – I don't know where they go besides – like, this is not a free agent destination. Um, I think people eventually will want to play with John Morant. But mm-hmm. this free agent pool this year, there's nobody that I really want to go to Memphis. I don't know that the Memphis front office will really try to recruit any of those guys. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They've, they've got a really bright future, but Utah is just too good of a team. Yeah, it's it's a wrap. And something I'm just keeping an eye on in the future is Jaron Jackson, when he was healthy last year, was 17 points on 47 from the floor, almost 40 from three, and 75 from the line. Like, as a 6'11 player, that's insane. But he only averaged four rebounds a game, and he averaged four personal fouls. Like, I think, I think that lends itself to the argument I was just bringing up. Like, there's just no physicality to his game. I think it's almost plausible to play him at the three and get two other guys out there that just play closer to the boards or have more energy or physicality near the boards. I don't know. 
I, I wouldn't be shocked if next season he came out and averaged 20 a game, but just long-term, I'm not sure he was what I thought he was. I've always thought he had the skill for it, but I mean, I thought he had the skill to be shooting better than he's shooting this series. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm concerned now. I think the off season will be good for him though. Um, I think that wraps everything up. Um, all these playoff series have been pretty fun to watch. Maybe Wiz Sixers, not so much. Maybe Nets Celtics, not so much. But almost everything else has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nets Celtics is still fun to watch if you like watching amazing offense. If you're a Celtics <laughs> fan, it's a little bit of torture. Yeah. Um, but sure. if you're someone who just liked watching the ball go in the hoop, the Nets do that better than literally anybody. Joe Harris shooting 50-something percent from three. Is just a flamethrower. It is fun to watch. Yeah, and we we got to talk about quickly before we get out of here. The Nets and Bucks get a good amount of rest mm-hmm. before this next series because they close the series out pretty quickly. I think they get to wait till Sunday to play their first game. Um, and as of right now, it is Wednesday, so they get four days of rest, which is nice for them. So everyone can feel fresh. Good for Harden and his hamstring. Good for KD yeah. and his legs. Yeah, it'll be perfect for both of those teams. It's gonna snowball, man. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. The Nets are just gonna wipe teams out in four or five games, and then they get rest to get healthier, and then it's just gonna keep keep going. Mm-hmm. So we've made our first round brackets, and they're up on our Instagram. Uh, we'll go through the first round's almost over. We'll go through and see how accurate we are, but we got to get yeah. the second round bracket up there too pretty soon. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, tune in next time. Ben, do you got anything else to say? I got nothing. See you, everybody. See ya.